0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Hey, this week's episode is one from our archives from back in 2021. There's a certain corner of the internet that's always intrigued me, not because I'm a fan. In fact, it's the opposite. I find it incredibly annoying, but I'm intrigued by this subculture because many people seem to love it and get a lot out of it. I'll get messages
2: from people that'll say, how my videos really help them sleep or relax, or they'll even play them in the background when they're studying. A lot of
3: people would say it helps them unwind after a stressful day or week.
2: And I find it hilarious because I feel like it's probably one of the only types of content that it's actually a
1: compliment when people tell you that they fall asleep to your videos. (laughs) So what is this content? This corner of the internet we're talking about?
2: Hello.
1: It's called ASMR. And welcome. And these whispery, clicky, crinkly videos are massive on YouTube, racking up millions of views. The idea is these sounds elicit a certain tingly, calming sensation in people who can experience ASMR.
4: So the feeling itself is often described as a tingling which starts in the crown of the head and can spread throughout the rest of the body. It's kind of something that comes in waves and it's quite warm and very, very relaxing and quite euphoric.
2: I don't know, just feeling like I'm in like almost like a dreamier state and like
1: having this just good vibes. So what is ASMR and what does the science tell us about it? Is it real or pseudoscience? And why do some people, like me, get the opposite reaction? Irritation rather than calming tingles? You're listening to All In The Mind. I'm Sana Qadar. Today, the lowdown on Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, better known as ASMR. In 2017, Shivy was working at Disney World in Florida. Her shifts were long and frenetic, sometimes ending at midnight or 1am.
3: I worked in the sort of retail souvenir stores there and you're talking to hundreds of guests each day. Exhausted, she'd board the company bus back to
1: her accommodation and try to unwind.
3: I would just listen to ASMR on the bus home, and it was just a really good way to decompress and unwind and enjoy a bit of introvert time, as it were. Shibby
1: would also use these videos to help her get to sleep. It was a nightly ritual. We need to have a good night to sleep. Then one night, still awake at 1am, she thought, why
3: don't I try this? So I literally just got out my iPhone and just, I think I sat down on my floor in my room and just, just filmed a video. I think I was talking about the life-changing magic of tidying up by Marie Marie Kondo, Kondo. because I just read that one and I was very excited and I just talked about it and it was just really, really fun. And then I just uploaded it. Tidying is a special event and Don't people, they seem to like it, and you know, had a few thousand views on it, and I just kind of, yeah, kept going. Tidying should be done just once. Four years
1: later, Shivi's YouTube channel, Call Me Quiet ASMR, has over 100,000 subscribers.
3: My videos, I kind of do a bit of a mixture, so sometimes I will do a, a role play, so I've done like a, doing your makeup video, a little bit of powder on your face. I will do a sort of trigger videos where I'll pick maybe a specific trigger. So maybe it's lots of hand movements, but like really gentle. Maybe it's like I'm sort of touching the screen. I might do inaudible whispering where I'm whispering about something, but it's at a very, very quiet level. So you can't really make out what I'm saying and people enjoy those because then they can kind of put it on the background and they don't need to focus on what you're saying.
1: There are thousands of these different types of ASMR videos online. Clips where people chew food or make mouth sounds are also popular. That overlaps with the mukbang trend, which is a whole other thing I won't get into. And in terms of subject matter, there's an ASMR video for almost any interest like say you're into maps so we have all the states and territories of australia here or curious about dinner etiquette you'll see there's a bread and butter plate on your left there's beverage glasses on your right or need to brush up on your organic chemistry so each atom has its nucleus but also has electrons those electrons can be shared that one really surprised me. In fact, that channel, ASMR Chemistry, is run by an actual chemistry professor. But I digress. The subject matter is less important to the ASMR-ness of these videos. The point is, they're all done in this whispery, quiet way. So what is it about whispering and certain sounds like tapping and clicking? That trigger relaxing, calm, tingly feelings in certain people. So
4: the way I like to think about ASMR is that it's an example of a complex emotional experience. And listeners might be more familiar with things like frizz on or music induced
1: chills or the experience of awe. This is Dr. Julia Poerio, a lecturer in psychology at the University of Essex. She's one of the main researchers globally looking
4: into ASMR. So, you know, sometimes when you listen to an amazing piece of music and you get an unexpected harmony and you kind of get the shivers that that run down your spine, you get this kind of complex emotional response, which can't be described in the same way as things like sadness can. Psychologically, these things are part of our emotional landscape and our emotional repertoire. And some people seem to be more able to experience emotions that are complex in this way. And and I like to think of ASMR as, uh, as another example of individual differences in emotional complexity. Sounds are one trigger
1: for ASMR, but
4: Dr. Puerio says there are many others. The feeling itself is triggered in people by certain stimuli, which can include things like touch, so somebody stroking your back, It can include often whispering or soft speaking. Um, There are also other auditory and visual triggers, which include things like tapping sounds, spraying of water, and also visual triggers like slow hand movements. So you might see ASMR videos that include people folding towels very delicately. So ASMR is an experience that not everybody has, but if you do experience it. There are quite a lot of videos on, on YouTube that intend to simulate everyday situations where this might occur.
1: Dr. Poerio has been investigating what exactly happens in the body when people experience ASMR. You know, people can tell us that they experience
4: this tingling sensation, but does their body also tell us that same thing? It, are their physiological responses also consistent with this idea that ASMR is this kind of relaxing, euphoric feeling? So we got people into the lab and we asked them to watch a series of videos, including ASMR videos, but also videos that, weren't ASMR inducing. And we looked at their physiological responses. So we looked at their heart rate and their skin conductance. And skin conductance is a measure of the sweating of the skin. So it's a measure of arousal, physiological arousal.
1: Dr. Puero and her colleagues did this with about 100 people, half who could experience ASMR, half who couldn't. And what we found was a really interesting pattern
4: that was quite distinct for ASMR experiences. So they show these significant reductions in heart rate so around 3.41 beats per minute when they're watching ASMR videos and we thought okay well 3.41 beats per minute is is that meaningful and we looked around at various different kinds of interventions that had measured effects on heart rate and we found that this kind of reduction in heart rate is comparable to things like mindfulness and also music stress reduction so we think this might be clinically useful we really need to test it a lot more but it seems to be that it is having this kind of relaxing physiological a- a effect on people that could be meaningful. And um, what's really interesting is that actually. People who experienced ASMR in our study said that they experienced it far less intensely in the the laboratory situation when they were watching the videos compared to in their everyday lives. So this might be an underestimate of the effects. We do need to replicate those findings and and we have got lab experiments set up to try and see if we can replicate that distinct pattern of findings. But because of COVID, we've had to
1: stop in-person testing. The plan is to perform those replication studies as soon as safely possible. And Dr. Puerio mentioned music-induced chills as a reference for what ASMR is like emotionally. But physiologically, the two experiences seem to be distinct.
4: So ASMR is, as our research shows, associated with reduced heart rate, whereas music-induced chills or goosebumps is associated with increased heart rate. Obviously, the, the cues, the triggers for these things differ. So music-induced chills tends to be kind of unexpected harmonies and things like that, whereas the triggers are very different for, for ASMR. And the location of the experience can be quite different. So people often say shivers down the spine, and it's that kind of cold sensation with music-induced chills, hence the chills, whereas. ASMR is very much a head orientated feeling that kind of spreads and is quite a warm spreading
1: do we know what percentage of the population can experience ASMR? So we we recently
4: entered a competition to try and get some funding to find out this very question because we don't have a valid population estimate. We sadly didn't get funding. ASMR research is really difficult to fund because people aren't really sure what it is in the scientific community, at least. So in terms of population estimate, we don't have one yet that comes from stratified sampling that, that we would need to be able to say something quite meaningful about the percentage of people. We do have some various indications. So I think it's probably fair to say that ASMR is less common than something like music-induced chills, but I think it's more common than something like synesthesia, which tends to affect about 4% of the population, depending on what estimate you look at.
1: You mentioned that you you tried to get funding for some research and it didn't go through because... Um... People don't properly understand ASMR in the research world. I understand research into ASMR is, you know, in, in a really nascent phase still. Can you talk a bit more about why that is? I mean, there's probably several reasons. When we first started
4: out, there wasn't anything published. So we started doing research in 2014. And the first paper on ASMR came out in 2015. And, you know, it's actually really rare to find an example of something that there's been no documented research on. And I think that that's problematic in some ways, because, you know, a lot of science is based around building on what other people have already done. And if there's if there's nothing there, you've got nothing to build on. So the newness of the topic is one barrier. The second thing I think is that people tend to generalize from their own experience. So if you don't experience ASMR, I think you find it harder to believe that it's a real thing. And I think that this is really what we tried to do with our 2018 paper was to show that actually, you know, People who say that they get this feeling aren't just making it up. It's not just a result of expectation or demand or something like that. It's a genuine experience, but it's just not a universal one.
1: Dr. puerio says there's also misunderstandings about what ASMR is.
4: They think it's something about popular culture and they think it's just a trend. Whereas from a psychological perspective... ASMR existed as an emotional experience before YouTube, I think somehow that conflates the kind of the science with the art of ASMR as it was. Um, So I think that there is this kind of misconception that it's somehow sexual. So if, if an editor, for example, gets a paper on ASMR or a funder gets it and they don't understand it, they don't experience it, they may be less likely to kind of think that it's something that's worthy of investigation.
1: That last point, that people think it's a sexual thing, is a common assumption. And the thing is, there is a subset of ASMR videos that are pornographic. So is the feeling of ASMR related to the feelings of sexual arousal? I mean, that's a really
4: good question. It's something that I get asked a lot. If you ask people about whether ASMR is a sexual feeling, they'll say to you that it's distinctly non-sexual. And and we did ask in our research studies, and and there's no evidence to suggest that it's sexual. And in fact, the physiological data would suggest that actually what's going on is not a sexual response. So your heart rate would normally increase if you're becoming sexually aroused. But I think that there is a distinction to be made between ASMR videos and ASMR as an emotional experience. So ASMR as an emotional experience is non-sexual, but the content that is created to induce ASMR could be sexually arousing, but that sexual arousal would be sexual arousal and not ASMR. ASMR, by
1: definition, is non-sexual. You're listening to All In The Mind. I'm Sana Qadar. Today, the peculiar experience of autonomous sensory meridian response. And for Dr. Julia Poerio, a psychologist and ASMR researcher at Essex University, it's a feeling she's been able to experience for as long as she can remember.
4: I've always experienced ASMR. I remember telling my sister or asking my sister if she also felt this when we were younger and she doesn't experience it. And she she said to me that she she just thought it was, sounded really weird. <laughs> and um, so I actually never spoke to anybody about it again. And I almost felt ashamed of it. I would seek out experiences to induce ASMR, but I didn't know what it was. And I, I didn't call it anything. And then in 2013... I kind of found out that there was this term to describe this feeling that I'd had like my whole life. And I was really amazed because I was like, oh, it's not just me. So I I thought I was the only person to experience it. And this is also a really common thing that people say. They think they either say, gosh, I thought I was the only person to experience this tingling thing or they think the opposite. They're just like, oh, I thought everybody had that. And that's really interesting as well. I think that difference in opinion.
1: Can you tell me about your earliest memory of sort of experiencing it and what the trigger was, if, if you remember?
4: I don't have one particular memory that was my earliest memory, but I do have a collection of things that I remember from childhood that, that were very triggering. And I think what's really interesting is that there are a lot of commonalities in people's kind of first or early experiences of ASMR. So typically we'll hear examples like people playing or, with your hair or stroking your back, A teacher explaining something in a really soft, calm, soothing way. Watching people do things in a delicate way. One thing that always used to trigger my ASMR was going to the shop to get your feet measured for school shoes. (laughs) When they put the measuring tape around your feet, so that kind of gentle touch. And people often forget that touch is a really big ASMR trigger. And you'll see lots of videos on YouTube that try and recreate these early ASMR memories.
1: Dr. Puerio's research has looked more at what's going on in the body when someone experiences ASMR. Other research has looked at the brain, observing increased activity in regions involving emotion, empathy, and feelings of group unity, for example. Research has also looked into personality profiles for people who can experience ASMR, finding significantly higher scores on openness to experiences and neuroticism. As the body of research grows, it's slowly putting to bed debate or scepticism around the veracity of ASMR as a distinct experience.
0: I guess it's just something that's new, and until it's, you know, documented and we know what's going on, there's that sort of scepticism. But, I mean, scientists are the ultimate sceptics, aren't they? They like to poke holes and things until they're absolutely convinced.
1: This is Professor David L.A., a neuroscientist and psychologist at Sydney University. He doesn't research ASMR specifically, but his work looks at sensory processing. That's how our brains process sound, vision, and touch.
0: And so there's still a little bit of resistance there, but I think it is a real thing now. I mean, definitely people who experience it are convinced that it's a, a definite experience, distinct from other things.
4: Well, I think that most of us that research ASMR don't question its veracity as an experience. I mean, there are many experiences that are non-universal that are well accepted. Things like sleep paralysis, for example, you know, hallucination. Synesthesia is a really great example. I mean, how many people taste, taste words? Not very many, but we know it to be a genuine and reliable experience. So there are obviously likely to be sceptical readers and editors and, and journal reviewers. And that's helpful in a way because it pushes us towards, you know, stronger scientific methods and reasoning as well. One thing that is pseudoscience, though, is the name. Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response.
1: It was coined in 2010 by a woman named Jennifer Allen.
4: I think she was sort of like an intelligence computer scientist or something like that. So it's pseudoscientific in the sense that it, it doesn't really mean anything scientifically, at least as far as I know. But what having this common term does is it allows people to talk about something that they experience in everyday language. And before that, we didn't have a term. So people would call it brain tingles or brain gasms. So it's pseudoscientific in the sense that, you know, a scientist hasn't come up with it and it doesn't really mean anything scientifically.
1: Since the term was coined, ASMR has steadily grown in search popularity online. According to Google, it reached an all-time high worldwide just this year. In Australia, people from Brisbane seem to search for it the most, followed by Sydney-siders. And they're usually searching between 1 and 3 a.m. Obviously, it's a very, like, passionate online community. Mm -hmm. But when you're out and about in the real world and you tell people you are an ASMR creator, (laughs) what kind
2: of reaction do you generally get? Most of the time, well, it's like one of two reactions. Either they know exactly what I'm talking about, and they're like, wow, that's so cool. I listen to ASMR. Not as common, though. <laughs> and the second one, which is more common, is people will be like, oh, isn't that that like weird, like a sexual thing or whatever? <laughs> or there'll be that actually third option where they have no idea what ASMR is. So I'm like starting from scratch on explaining <laughs> this new phenomena.
1: <laughs> right.
2: This is Sharon, an ASMR YouTuber. My channel is Sharon Shares ASMR, and I have more than 25,000
1: subscribers right now. Sharon has a particular shtick when it comes to her videos. Her channel focuses on travel and culture content. So I love to do language
2: videos. So I've done like hello in different languages. Hola. Hola. Most recently, I did one where I whisper country names in their native language. Argentina.
1: Belgique. One recent video that caught my eye focused on Canada. And it caught my eye because that's where I'm from. And thanks to COVID, it's been a long time since I've been home. Welcome to
2: Canada. And I was actually in Canada doing, like, snow sounds and tapping on things. When you think of Canada, you think of maple syrup. So, like, part of what I like to do is I... Not only am I like in that country when I'm filming, but I also like to talk a little bit about unique things in that area. Like I talked about uh, West Ed Mall, which is like a big thing where I was in Edmonton, and just like things that are unique that
1: I've learned or know about in that area.
2: Everything your good desire is in West
1: Ed. Travel is Sharon's focus because that's what she loves, and ASMR gives her an opportunity to indulge that. What surprised her is the reaction she's gotten. I was shocked by how positive that the community has been. And
2: it's really humbling, actually, because I'll get messages from people that'll say they were stressed and and that they always look forward to watching my videos to help them calm down. And and that's really sweet because sometimes a video doesn't perform as well. And you're kind of like, ugh, like, are people still interested in my content and then you will get like this one nice comment about someone saying like please keep making videos it really really helps me and then you're like wow like even if like, I can make the one person is a big difference in their life it feels like I'm bringing value in that way.
1: That sense of community of helping others has been especially important through the pandemic.
3: I think it was during COVID that I filmed, like, this video where it was, like, ASMR for when you're lonely or for when you don't fit in. This is Shivie,
1: who we heard from at the start of
3: the show. And it was from, like, personal experience. I sort of had had times in my life that I was feeling very lonely. And I had a lot of comments on there, people saying, you know, they're feeling like maybe really isolated, but they really appreciated my video to make them feel like at least they're not alone in how that they're feeling. And I think with my videos, I think that was one of the reasons why I did sort of start them as well is because I, I found it hard to open up in my real life and I guess to share compassion. So I think that's always been a focus on my channel to be really sort of compassionate. Because I
1: there's something in these caring, nurturing words that offer a clue as to the popularity of ASMR videos, and perhaps why so many of them feature women.
0: The, the sort of sounds that work most are usually those really quiet, soft, caring, sort of nurturing sounds that you might've had as a child. Imagine being, you know, in in your mother's arms or, you know, some carer holding you and caressing your hair or something. That sort of very primal early experience of care maybe something that gets, gets triggered by these things. Because, I mean, don't forget the baby in the womb, you know, babies are hearing the muffled soft sounds of their mother's voice for months before they're born. And of course, when you're held and mothers whisper quietly to their babies, that soft whispering voice is often a trigger for ASMR. And it may go back to some really sort of primal, early feeling of, of that sort of blissful contentment of being held and cared for.
1: Given all of that, why do I find ASMR videos so annoying? Like there's something about the whispering, the tapping, the chewing that irritates me beyond words.
4: Yeah, so you
1: might be describing something
4: called mesophonia, which it literally means hatred of sound. And I think common examples of mesophonic triggers would be things like eating, breathing, mouth sounds, and they can quite often cause extreme frustration and anxiety and, and even rage in sufferers. But there seems to be some kind of common triggers to ASMR and mesophonia. But what's really interesting, and, and this I find kind of counterintuitive, is that actually mesophonia and ASMR are connected. Hmm. So if you experience mesophonia, you're more likely, to experience ASMR. And if you experience ASMR, you're more likely to experience mesophonia. Right. And what it is, we think, is that both are underlied by a heightened sensory sensitivity, in particular to sound. But that whether you experience something as pleasant or aversive may depend on the context in which you're in. So for example, if you're watching an ASMR video and you're somebody who finds eating sounds pleasurable, then that might trigger your ASMR, whereas the same person in a different context, like say maybe they're trying to watch a film and their partner is chewing popcorn really loud, <laughs> that might cause aversive reactions. And this is really interesting from a psychological perspective because it suggests there's, there's no kind of inherent inherently good or, or bad property of a sound. It hmm. really depends on who you are and what context you're in and how you interpret that sound. So we are really interested in trying to understand the kind of the way that context plays a role in whether you experience the external world as pleasurable or aversive.
1: Right. Okay. And how do you use ASMR now in your life as an adult? Do you use it to relax or, you know, the fact that it's the focus of your work, do you just get to spend your work day (laughs) relaxing? Yeah. I mean, I wish that was the case.
4: (laughs) Actually, I rarely watch ASMR videos anymore. Often that's because it will just make me think about work. Um, <laughs>
1: oh no, the relaxation has been taken
4: away from it. I do experience it in, in real life and I find it much more pleasurable when it's unanticipated. But I experience you know, less intense ASMR now than I used to. And I, I think this is a really common and unfortunate consequence of ASMR content being so readily available now is that there's this thing called ASMR immunity now. It's this idea that, you can lose your tingles in a way because you become habituated to asmr stimuli, and it's really been very interesting to see the way that asmr content creators have tried to overcome asmr immunity by by basically doing really cool interesting novel triggers so things like finger flutters are now a thing and trigger words like toasted coconut and things like that so you know it's been so amazing to see this creativity but you know there's an asmr video out there for everybody i'd say
1: that's dr julia puerio an asmr researcher and psychology lecturer at essex university before her was neuroscientist and psychologist, Professor David Allais from Sydney University. And you also heard from Shivy from Call Me Quiet ASMR and Sharon from Sharon Shares ASMR. We also had clips from a few other ASMR creators in the show. Thanks to Maria from Gentle Whispering ASMR, Jenny from Tingledom ASMR, and Karen from ASMR Chemistry. That's it for All in the Mind this week. Our producer is James Bullen. Sound engineer is Tim Jenkins. I'm Sonic Qadar. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.
0: You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.